This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I'm Jeremy Myers, your teacher. This is episode number 66 on Jonah 1-3. I've titled it, Slapping God in the Face. (laughs) I uh, published a post this week on my blog about sort of how a true understanding of grace brings up the question, or at least raises the question, and maybe even allows people to go out and sin all they want. I know it's a challenging idea. Um... Of course, you know, if that's really what they want, then there's a question about how much they understand about grace and love of God and and what sin really is, all that. Okay, but all those are are separate questions, maybe related questions that could be discussed. But anyway, uh, I'm going to write more about all that in coming weeks, so make sure that uh, you read my blog, or at least subscribe to get the emails, that sort of thing. But anyway, in response to that post, I received several emails from readers who wanted to know if I meant intentional sin or unintentional sin. Uh, and, you know, we could get into that discussion, too, and I, I frankly think that most sins are intentional anyway, but here, here's the point. If a, if a person intentionally and knowingly sins, will God love them, forgive them, accept them, keep them in his family? <laughs> the answer is yes. There's no sin, intentional or unintentional, which will cause God to stop loving you, forgiving you. He always wants you in his family. Uh, that's a big theme in, in all, all that I teach, all that I write on my blog and in my books. I teach a lot more about that whole idea in my course, The Gospel According to Scripture. Anyway, I'm bringing it up now because the verse we're looking at today from Jonah, we're going to see that Jonah commits a pretty big sin. It's an intentional sin, very, very intentional. Jo- uh, Jonah pretty much slaps God in the face. He spits in God's face. To put it more crudely, Jonah gives God the finger, okay? You really can't get much worse, more intentional than that. And we will see in future episodes how God responds. So if you've ever felt like you sinned pretty badly, uh, then, then listen to this podcast episode because you will be challenged and encouraged, and especially in future ones when we see how God responds to Jonah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, as far as this podcast is concerned, uh, are, are you enjoying it? If so, could you please do me a huge favor? Could you invite someone else to listen to it, or maybe several people? Uh, Send them an email, put something up on Twitter, maybe on Facebook. If you have a blog, please write a blog post inviting people to listen to it. Sometimes wonder if publishing these podcasts is worth it. You may not know this. I have a full-time job. Writing, blogging, podcasting is not my full-time job. I also have a wife and uh, three kids. And then along with this podcast, I am... Um, you know, all the time it takes to, re- to, to prepare and record and edit and publish this thing. I'm also trying to put these courses out there and write books and do my blog and respond to comments and all of that. So uh, sometimes I wonder if the podcast is worth the efforts. So anyway, if you think it is, please um, help, help encourage me to keep going uh, by inviting other people to listen to it. I have a way of tracking to see how many people are downloading and listening to it each and every week. And I'll be honest, the numbers have been dropping. 
So I would like to see those start to go back up, and uh, that can happen by you inviting other people and uh, to, to listen to, and subscribe and listen to the podcast as well. Just do that. Go to email, Facebook, Twitter, blog, whatever, even word of mouth, um, and, and invite people to subscribe. Anyway, thank you so much. Let's uh, get into our study of Jonah 1.3 today. Just by a bit of uh, review, remember that last time in Jonah 1-2, we saw that God had noticed this great evil that was going on in the city of Nineveh. And remember, we looked at one of the key terms there in verse 2, uh, is that this uh, evil of Nineveh had come before the face of the Lord. All right, and that's what the Hebrew text says. Most of your Bible, your English Bible translations aren't going to say that. They're going to say it had come before God, you know, something real bland and boring. But the Hebrew literally says that the evil had come before the face of the Lord. Uh, And this is significant because in the honor-shame culture of that time, this meant that the evil of Nineveh had basically slapped God in the face. All right, it was an insult to him. It was a, a challenge to God's honor. That's what it meant, right? And, and so what God did, as any person, you know, any father or lord or king or whatever, when his honor had been challenged, uh, he called upon his people, his family members, uh, members of his household, to go and defend his honor. So he called, God called Jonah, his great prophet of Israel, to go to Nineveh and cry out against it, to defend God's honor. This was Jonah's task. It was his privilege. It was his responsibility to do this, to defend the honor of the family, right? Uh, So Jonah, now remember Jonah, he was his famous prophet. And being an Israelite, he any other Israelite like you or me would have jumped at the opportunity to go cry out against Nineveh. Remember, he was his popular prophet for predicting that the borders of Israel would expand and they had, and then uh, Syria was off to the east. They were growing in power and prominence as well. Okay, so now if Jonah, obeying God, was to go to Nineveh and cry out against it because of their great evil, okay, and, and, and Nineveh fell or Nineveh was destroyed or something, then Jonah would become even more pro- popular than he was right now. Okay, but in Jonah 1.3, and this is how we ended last week's podcast episode, in Jonah 1.3, Jonah does something extremely surprising. It's shocking what Jonah does. And just sort of to work our way into it a little bit more slowly this time, the, the, the initial words of verse 3 give us the impression at first that Jonah is going to obey God. All right? Uh, back in verse 2, God told Jonah to rise up. Right? Rise up and go to Nineveh. Okay. So in the very first words, and you can just imagine a Hebrew storyteller, a Hebrew rabbi, maybe a Jewish father telling this story to their children, telling this story to their teachers. And they're going to really go slow in this part. Uh, you know, and God said to Jonah, rise up. Okay. And then they get down to verse three. So Jonah rose up. Right? And you can just hear the storytelling, the pause there. What's Jonah going to do? And, and uh, the echo here, Jonah rise up. And so Jonah rose up. The echo here would remind the, the listeners at that time. Remember, they were a very um, oral uh, audience. They, they did a lot of their learning through storytelling. Through they, A lot of them couldn't read necessarily, so they would be listening. So anyway, a lot of them would have been reminded of other godly men 
prophets even, men of God throughout Jewish history, uh, Hebrew history and culture, in the biblical accounts, who similar things had happened to them. For example, God told Abraham in Genesis 22 to, to get, and take his, get up and take his son to Mount Moriah. And then the next, mo- next morning, in the very next verse, just like here, okay, Abraham got up early the next morning, and he went. Okay, similarly, uh, the prophet Elijah, God tells him to get up and go eastward. Okay, this is in uh, 1 Kings 17. So, uh, in two verses later, Elijah immediately got up and he went. Okay, it's similar terminology. Similar. So, when we, they read Jonah here, and God says, Jonah, this prophet, get up and go. Okay, verse 3, so Jonah gets up and we are expecting him to go. But Jonah does the exact opposite. Right here in verse 3, we mentioned it last week. (laughs) Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish. All right, And, And Jonah's actions here would have been an absolute shock for the reader. All right, now remember, uh, Nineveh is this capital city of Assyria, and it's it's east. It's um, out east. Uh, it's the rising uh, power nation, powerful nation off to the east. All right, Tarshish, this town that Jonah is going to flee to, uh, it's a city far, far, far to the west. It's about 2,500 miles away from where Jonah is now, <laughs> okay? Um, it, it was about, it was the edge, the western edge of the known world at that time. It was about as far west as you could possibly go. People, uh, archaeologists today say it's in uh, western France today. Or, I'm sorry, sorry, western Spain, okay? So, uh, western edge of the Mediterranean, you just go, there, there, it's mentioned in 1 Kings 10, uh, that in Solomon's day, ships going to Tarshish, all right, from uh, similar ports along the Mediterranean ports along uh, Israel here, it was a three-year round trip. That's how far it was for them, okay? That's uh, 1 Kings 10.22. So uh, we, we, we brief, briefly talked about this last week, but I, I, ju- I just want you to n- sort of get the feel for what's going on here again. And then notice especially, and this is extremely significant, notice especially what is said next in verse 3, okay? It says Jonah fled to Tarshish, and then notice, from the presence of the Lord. Okay, Uh, this phrase here, from the presence of the Lord, reads almost exactly the same in the Hebrew as that phrase at the end of verse 2. All right, at the end of verse 2, remember, God says that the wickedness of the Ninevites had come before his face. Okay? <laughs> Here, in verse 3, the Hebrew text says, Jonah sought to flee from before the face of the Lord. Okay? The evil of Nineveh has come before the face of the Lord, and now Jonah is seeking to flee from before the face of the Lord. All right, the, the terminology is nearly identical. Now, now, some people look at what Jonah's doing here, uh, fleeing from the place uh, um, for the face of the Lord. And it gets translated, again, our English Bible translations as from the presence of the Lord. And so people say, well, you know, back then, and they look at uh, some of the, the the way gods were worshipped in surrounding cultures, some of the deities from, uh, not in Israel, but from the other religions, other cultures, other nations at that time, like the Assyrians, for example, uh, the Canaanites, the Phoenicians, the Egyptians, a bunch of others, okay? And how, what they believed about their gods— and what they believed, basically, was that their gods were territorial, uh, that the gods were tied to a particular region, piece of land, particular geography, 
And so if you left a particular land, you basically left your God behind, left your gods behind. And uh, because your God was stuck there, tied there. And so people say, well, that must be what Jonah thought too, or the people of Israel thought. And so when uh, Jonah is fleeing to Tarshish here, well, he's trying to get somewhere where God can't find him, where God can't get to him. The thing is, you look elsewhere in the Hebrew Bible and Hebrew theology and Hebrew belief systems. In fact, just a little bit of a spoiler alert. We're going to see in verse 9 of, of uh, Jonah chapter 1, uh, Jonah's own belief on this. The Israelite people did not believe that their God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Yahweh, they did not believe that God was territorial, that God was tied to the land of Israel. They believed that God was the God of the entire universe, God of the entire world, God of all creation, all peoples, right? Uh, earth, land, sky, sea, you, the heavens, the under the earth, okay, everything. There's no place you can go to get away from the presence of God. And of course, Jonah, he's a prophet. He certainly knows this, right? And he says it in verse 9, as I just said. So again, this whole idea that he's trying to, to, to run away from God, that is not true true. No Israelite would have believed that. Jonah definitely didn't believe it. He says so himself down in verse 9. All right, He knows very well that he could never get away from the presence of God. So he's not even trying. Jonah is not trying. He did not believe God's this local deity that he could escape, you know, that he could get away from, he could run away from. And Jonah knew it. So what is Jonah doing? Right, if Jonah's not trying to get away from the presence of God, the way our English translations say, what does the Hebrew indicate? Well, again, I'm convinced of it, <laughs> just because of all the parallels here between verse 2 and verse 3. We must understand this phrase here about Jonah fleeing, turning, going away from the face of the Lord the same way it was understood at the end of verse 2. All right? At the end of verse 2, God says that the evil of Nineveh has come before his face. Remember last week, the evil of Nineveh has slapped me in the face. It's an insult to my honor. That's basically what God says there. So here, in verse 3... We need to understand the phrase the exact same way. It's the exact same phrase. It should be understood the exact same way. Jonah flees to Tarshish to slap God in the face. Just let that sink in for a minute. God has noticed the evil of Nineveh and that it has it is an affront to his honor, a challenge to his honor. It is dishonor. It is shameful that this, these things are happening. And so God, in an attempt to defend his honor, calls on his trusted prophet, who has spoken the word of the Lord to the nation of Israel, calls on Jonah, the man of God, to go to Nineveh, cry out against them, and defend his honor. So Jonah gets up and slaps God in the face himself. <laughs> He spits in God's face. He gives God the middle finger. All right? That is how to read Jonah 1, 3. All right? 
The Hebrew phrase, the face of Yahweh, remember, is an idiom for speaking of God's honor. And in verse 2, God calls on Jonah to defend God's honor. And by going the other way, and not just the other way, but as far the other way as he possibly can go, Jonah is despising God, is refusing to defend God's honor. And in fact, since it was his responsibility, his duty to defend God's honor, by refusing to do it, he is adding to the shame. He is adding to the dishonor. In an honor-shame culture of that time, there was no worse insult. All right? You can imagine, again, people sitting around listening to this as the storyteller explained what Jonah did. I guarantee you, they would have all sucked in their breath in horror. Nobody treats a family member this way. Nobody treats anybody this way. And nobody treats God this way, let alone a prophet of God. It is the most despicable behavior someone could do. The highest goal in an honor-shame culture I did my master's thesis on this. The highest goal and priority in an honor-shame culture of every single person was to defend the honor of their name, their family, their kin, their kin, their king, and their God. And to, to, to fail in any one of these is to fail in your most basic human responsibility. In, in fact, the only way, if you did, if you failed your king, your name, your family, your, your, your God, then the only thing left to you, for you to do was literally to just go kill yourself because you had brought so much shame, all right? Um, it, it was th- th- this, what Jonah does here is so unthinkable. Nobody ever did it. But Jonah does it. He does the unthinkable. He's called upon to defend the honor of his God, and instead of obeying, He adds to the dishonor and shame. All right? He slaps God in the face. Now think about this. The evil of Nineveh had come before God, and God called the prophet Jonah to go cry out against Nineveh. (laughs) Well, now, Jonah has just done something worse than Nineveh. You know, one could understand, you know, the Ninevites, they don't know the ways of God. You know, they got their conscience, but, uh, you know, they're not his children. They don't have his law. They don't have his prophets. They're not his people. You know, so their wickedness, yeah, their evil, it's, it's a great challenge to God's honor, right? It's an affront to his honor. But the refusal of Jonah, the prophet of God, you know, to... to, to, to Bring even more shame upon God. That's the greatest affront of all, the greatest insult of all. So again, the, 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 the listeners, the original readers of this story would be shocked. Nobody behaved this way. Nobody. Not even the worst person in Nineveh would dream of behaving in such a way towards their family members, towards their king, towards their God. Such behavior is the ultimate slanderous rejection of God. What's going on here in verse 3? Jonah is engaging in open and blatant rebellion against God. And it would have shocked all the readers of this story. 
Okay, I got to move a little bit faster here. Look, um, Jonah's betrayal of God here is so terrible that basically the author uh, reiterates and emphasizes what he did through the rest of the verse. All right, he, he shows sort of the deliberate steps Jonah took. Jonah knew what he was doing uh, in, in betraying, in spitting in the face of God, slapping God, slandering God, shaming God. Okay, and he is very deliberate about it. Text says he went down to Joppa. Joppa is a sea a seaport on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It's uh, the modern town, modern day town of Jaffa. Okay, you can find that on a map. Um, he went down and he he uh, paid the fare. Okay, so uh, he he had to haggle a price with the captain of the ship. Found out where they were going. Had to find the ship. Okay, where are you going? What's the price? Okay, he knows what he's doing. Once on board the ship, Jonah went down into the ship. By the way, there's this repeated emphasis on the word down here. Down to Joppa. Down into the ship, and it shows this downward spiral, which Jonah is in. All right, and then once again, notice at the end of verse 3, just for the sake of emphasis and to make the point clear and to make sure that the listeners, the readers of this story don't miss it, the author of this text repeats the point once again. Jonah was going from the presence of the Lord. Again, in the Hebrew, he was despising God's honor. He was going from the face of the Lord. He was slapping God in the face. And Jonah's behavior is so terrible, unthinkable. The author, he states it twice in this verse. He wants those who hear this story to know they didn't hear wrong. Now, that's the end of verse 3. And uh, the behavior of Jonah would, at this point in the story would raise many, many questions in the mind of those who heard it. Remember I told you one of the first podcast episodes on this study of Jonah, a big question in the story of Jonah is, what is God like? Well, here we're about where to find out. We saw he was already, his honor was offended by Nineveh and he wanted his prophet to go cry out against it. Well, now what is God going to do to one of his own people and one of his own prophets when they insult him even more than the Ninevites ever did. What is God like? What is he going to do? Jonah was given this great opportunity to defend the honor of God, and in so doing, gain honor for himself, but instead, he behaves in the most deviant way possible at that time. There was nothing worse. Okay? And so the question now is, what will God do? Right? If he was going to destroy the Ninevites for their wickedness, what will God do to Jonah for his shameful actions? And <laughs> that question begins to get answered in verse 4, which uh, we'll pick up, with ne- pick up with next week. And by the way, the way God responds, or just a little bit of a preview, the way God responds there in verse 4 is the way everybody thinks God should respond in such a situation. We're going to see some surprising things about that as we go forward, and we'll pick up with that next week. But just to sort of close out today, let me ask you, all right, uh, if you did what Jonah did here, how do you think God would respond? Let me, let me state it differently. If, if you cursed God, right, to his face, <laughs> how do you think he would respond? Hmm? I opened up this podcast with a question about sinning knowingly, right? 
intentional sin. If you if you sinned intentionally, if you sinned knowingly, you know, if you knew what God wanted you to do, but you said, nope, I'm going to do the opposite. Well, how do you think God would react? Is he going to lash out at you in anger and rage? Is he going to judge and condemn you? Is he going to reject you? Is he going to send you to hell to suffer for all eternity? Is he going to kill you? Well, those are exactly the questions that the book of Jonah seeks to answer. Again, you know the story. In fact, if you've got your Bibles open, you can look at verse 4. Initially, God seems to respond to Jonah the way we think he should, or at least the way we think he would. Anger, great storm, right? We're going to see all that next week. Um, God initially responds the way most humans think God would respond in this situation. But as we go along further in the text, especially as we get into chapter 2, chapter 3, well, even chapter 1, later in chapter 1, we're going to see something quite surprising and shocking about God's treatment of Jonah, which then sets up the scene for God's treatment of the people of Nineveh, which in turn teaches us something important about God's treatment of you and me. Even when we sin knowingly, even to the point of slandering, insulting, or like Jonah, cursing God to his face. All that is coming up in our study of the book of Jonah. Please make sure you stick around. Don't miss a single episode. It's going to be encouraging, instructive, insightful, I hope, for you. And hey, get some friends to to listen as well, if you could. That'd be a great encouragement to me. Like I said, I don't know how you want to do that. Send them an email. Maybe mention it on Twitter. Fight people on Facebook. I'd really appreciate that. You know, you can mention me. That way I see it. Uh, And I'll come like it and comment and thank you for that. That'd be great. Maybe word of mouth. I don't know if you got a couple friends who want to sit around and you're looking for something exciting to do on a Friday night. Uh, You could listen to my podcast. And if that's the only thing you got to do on Friday night, well, I guess there's worse things. Um, But, uh, you know, maybe a Monday night or something would be better. Uh, listen, um, just inviting other people to listen to the podcast, however you do, it would be a great encouragement to me to keep these studies coming. Uh, and thank you for listening so much. I really appreciate it very much. Hey, uh, make sure you join me next week when we look at Jonah 1.4. By the way, Jonah 1.4, for me, is the most difficult verse in the entire book, all right? So uh, I haven't quite yet figured out how I'm going to explain Jonah 1.4, but I'm going to be working on that between now and next week. (laughs) And I am excited to see how I explain it. I hope you are too. All right. See you then.